Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is your Maxxis Tyres post-race show for round six of the Downhill World Cup in Snowshoe, USA. Maxxis have an incredible history with racing and are the tyre brand that comes to mind when you think about performance. So it's no surprise then that Maxxis have won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup Downhill and EWS racing. Whatever your needs, racing or riding, Maxxis have got you covered with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. I spent a lot of this year using the Maxxis Asagai 2.5 Max Grip in their new Exo Plus casing up front and combine that with a DHR Double Down Max Terra on the back. It's a popular combo for good reason. I personally find it gives incredible grip in the turns but provides great braking traction too so you can scrub off that speed when you really need to. Maxxis are generously giving away some awesome merch bundles throughout the season. If you want to get your hands on one, then all you need to do is to share this podcast episode on your Instagram and tag me at Downtime Podcast and at Max's Bike, and we'll choose a lucky winner for each round. You can check out the entire range of Max's tires over at maxis.com and find the tires at your local Max's dealer. And you can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Max's Bike. We've got something really special coming up for our post race show from Monson and next weekend. We're offering you the chance to join us live to watch the recording of the podcast, where you'll be able to ask questions to Elliot and Nico using the live chat. All you need to do to take part is to head over to goreggie.com, that's G-O-R-E-G-G-Y.com, and search for downtime, and you'll find an event there. It's £5 to sign up, and then we'll send you a web link so you can join us to watch the recording live. We'd love to have you along for the ride and to ask what you want to hear from Elliot and Nico. So head over to goreggie.com now. All right, Snowshoe retains its reputation for unpredictable racing, and this time the weather had a lot to do with it. We saw crazy commitment and some new faces on the box, and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Jackson and Nico Malali to find out about everything that went on. All right, Snowshoe 2022 is in the books, and uh, as ever, Snowshoe's kept its reputation for unexpected things happening uh, it was an exciting race and there's plenty to talk about uh, so as ever joined by nico malali and elliot jackson um nico snowshoe uh has been kind to us in the past few years but this year snowshoe's kind of more what you were familiar with right the the u.s nationals kind of weather the wet rocks and uh, and a lot of rain over the week hey yeah i would say for a lot of the u.s riders this is the normal weather to expect at snowshoe if you look back years before when they had norba races here like when pd and those old school guys used to race it was always super muddy and i was told that the amount of rain they get here at snowshoe actually qualifies it as a rainforest so it's it's a pretty wet type of place and we've raced a bunch of national series races or national championship races here at snowshoe and it seems like it is more than more than likely going to be rainy here. Um, but with the World Cup the past two years that we've had it, they've gotten super lucky with weather, especially last year having a double header, like a full week of racing with no rain was pretty rare. And I think people expected that sort of, uh, that sort of weather is just the normal for snowshoe. So I think we got a taste of um, the, the real snowshoe this weekend and it was the, the track was super gnarly. It was one of the toughest that um, a lot of guys have ever raced. Luckily for the final, it, it came around, but most of the weekend it was a war zone out there. <laughs> yeah, give us a bit of insight into the track, Elliot, from your perspective. I'm guessing you've had some time to walk or slide down it this week. Yeah, <clears throat> I feel like it's uh, like Nico said, 
every year um, you come here and you talk to the locals and they're like, man, these World Cup riders, they don't get to see the real snowshoe. It needs to rain for them. And that was definitely what people were saying as I was walking down the tracks. Like, it's about time that it was wet for these these guys and girls. Like, uh, I remember actually walking it after qualifying. I saw Nico there too. Is like, I never really seen a track look like that. Um, I think because it was a little bit less steep, you like didn't get as much of a rut in it. Um, and so after qualifying, that was still like so skaty and there were like really, really big ruts, but, um, yeah, it was just like so sticky. Couldn't really even tell like what was under the ground. Um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Nice. Nico, give us some insight from uh firsthand riding down this track. Like it's got, like Elliot said, not a huge amount of gradient apart from that middle bit that we kind of see on the on the live feed huge amount of rocks um and the the conditions whilst they were wet all week they seem to vary in different parts of the track as well yeah they so they had a new section this year um last year they had that big rock transfer at the kind of second split area and they put a new section that was like a fresh loamy pretty straightforward section um some not too much gradient uh, a couple turns and it looked pretty straightforward when we track walked it if it was dry it would have been just a fun little loamy trail not much to it but with the weather it just got so deep with ruts in that section and uh different things coming out as it developed over the weekend and it actually was super technical it, it like I, I i said it looked like leo gang bottom woods but flat so um it was honestly kind of cool. Like as a rider, you could take more risk in there or push or try to do something creative and not feel like it was dangerous because you were going to land in soft dirt or, um, yeah, the gradient wasn't as steep and there wasn't many rocks around. So it was a cool section. I thought it made that top half really technical when in the past, the top half of the track here at Snowshoe was not like most times were the same and the whole race was won in the rock garden. Past few years, we always said like that rock garden split from the going under the chairlift to coming out in the sprint at the end was the race. And uh, this year it wasn't as as defining. It was um, a lot of other sections that kind of amounted to being important as well. Um, so yeah, that new section at the top was tricky, and I thought it was a cool change, adding some some technicality to the track and, and line choice. And then the the main rock garden was just felt really gnarly and i think a, a lot of riders would say like a lot of risk to ride through that section because it was a lot of things to deflect you and if you came off the bike there was no soft place to land it's just <laughs> sharp rocks everywhere so it was definitely a pretty um com like you felt like you were taking a deep breath when you dropped into that section but the more committed you rode it the better it was like speed was your friend if you could carry speed it would take you through the rocks better you would get less deflected but it was also while you're on the bike it's pretty scary to do that so um yeah that rock garden was gnarly in those conditions and then the final sector i thought was this year one of the most crucial sections of the whole track because it was so flat especially when it was more boggy on qualifying day or the morning of the race um, if you could get 
into that, like off the ski slope and into that last woods where you cross the last split with carrying good speed and then get through that little off camber section. There was a really narrow like goat trail through there. And if you could get that really well, it would carry you all the way through those doubles to the finish. And it wasn't until like the last practice run that we could start doing the double, double, the big two jumps in that last section. And if you could get that, it would carry you all the way to the finish. So I was paying attention to a lot of those flatter sections this year more than ever because it was so boggy that if you could get them right, it would carry a lot more speed. So yeah, a totally different approach to the track and a different feel than when it's dry. Uh What was making it so physical, Nico? I mean, clearly the conditions are a big part of it, but maybe the lack of gradient as well. Like what, what was it that was making riders continually comment on how physical it was? I think a combination of the gradient, you definitely had to work for the momentum. Like some other tracks, you, um, you're just managing the speed on the brakes when it's really steep or a, or a good average gradient. There was a lot of flat spots here where you had to be on the pedals to keep the speed up. And it, it, it really was important to do that. If you didn't put in a hard sprint out of a turn to get up to speed, you're kind of stuck in the speed that you were in. And then with the ruts and not even just ruts, but slippery roots and rocks, you had to kind of wrestle the bike a little bit. And it felt like you were always off balance and trying to pull the bike in different directions. So um, it was just physical on the on the whole body to keep the bike going. There was not a lot of places where you could actually relax on this track. So yeah, those two things made it super physical. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Elliot, what was the feedback like from the riders? Because it looked like the struggle was real on the, on the track for a lot of people this week. There was definitely some riders that were thriving and others that were just trying to survive it. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. I feel like uh, the the themes that I, that I saw, I was actually um, riding down the chairlift as time training was finishing and saw like people coming back up and like people just had their heads in their hands. I saw Cammy like laying on the chairlift. She's like, I'm dying. That's a, like a full run is insane. Um, I think it was a bit frustrating for some risers too, because it, it was a bit random. Like I was kind of talking to, to Tebow to Prella and, um, uh, I was like, yeah, you can kind of be doing everything right. And, you know, you just have a crash or a mistake. And he was like, yeah, like, especially in that bottom rocks and, and stuff like that. Um, as Nico was talking about like the physicality of it, people were saying that it's more physical than Fort William. Um, and I think it was because you had to generate your own speed everywhere. Uh, everything that you did, like kind of had to come from your own doing. And then as your bike is, you know, slipping out and, and going every which way you have to, even if you're loose and kind of ready for that, it still takes energy to move it back to where it's supposed to be. Uh, so I think there was just kind of like no break, really. There was maybe one or two tiny little things, especially after you, it was kind of those jumps at the top. You kind of come through that V tree and hit those jumps. And then after that, you're kind of full on uh, the entire way. So, yeah, I think it was just so super physical, really, really difficult to ride. Um and yeah, it, it was, uh, I think mentally difficult to, to put in a run here that was, uh, that was kind of, I don't know if it, it felt like two different mindsets where some people were saying, okay, what is the 
kind of safe line? How do I, you know, get down maybe without crashing or not making a mistake? And then there was the mindset of maybe the top couple of couple of men and women where they were still riding it like it was trying to ride it like it was dry or at least the lines that they would take when it was dry. Yeah. Yeah. Nico, tell us a bit about bike setup and tire choice then. And, and did that change for you throughout the week as well as the conditions definitely were kind of up and down throughout the week? Yeah. So one thing that I tried this week that was kind of interesting was I, I used the 28 hole front wheel, the reserve enduro rim, and it's, um, it's a little bit lighter layup and obviously 28 spokes instead of 32 gives the front wheel a little more compliance. And I thought, you know, maybe that would help on some of the rocks, um, trying to get grip. I also ran lower tire pressure than I normally would. I think I was at like 22 in the front and 28 in the back. It was tough because you wanted to go low in pressure, but you still had that gnarly rock garden that normally destroys wheels. So you couldn't go too low to the point where you were rimming out on some of those square edges and then end up with a flat or a broken rim. So it was a balance of that. But um, I would say those are the two main things. I tried to go a little softer on my fork the first day, but there's still some of those bigger drops and, and things that I felt like the bike was better maintaining its geometry and then just going a little bit softer with those like contact points. Um, and also the bike felt super heavy when it was covered in mud. So when I was softer on the suspension, I felt like the, the, the weight of the bike was like pulling it through the travel. Like I was riding the weight of an e-bike or something when I got to the bottom. Um, but it was honestly hard to like be too particular about your bike through the, the weekend, um, it, it, you couldn't really feel anything. Like I felt, a bunch of people were like, Hey, there's a lot of us fans here. Like, how's the, how's the new bike feel? How's it feel on the track here? How's the frameworks work? I'm like, dude, I can't feel anything. I'm just trying to hold on to this thing, make it to the bottom. It's, it's like so <laughs> difficult to, to get down the track. So I tried to just go for like a, a strategy that I thought was a good idea that was going to be predictable. I ended up running, uh, the dry tires. So I was on DHR twos front and rear and I went for the narrower ones, the 2.4s. I feel like in mud, the narrower tire kind of cuts in a little better and, um, it maybe rolls a little faster as well, especially in soft conditions. So yeah, 2.4 DHR twos. I saw a variety of choices. Like some people were still on wet screams by the last day. Some people were on shorties. Some people were on drives the same as I was. Some people were on acid guys. Um, I really don't think the tire choice made that much of a difference, honestly. Like it was just the, the way you rode the bike. Um, the most tires were clogged most of the run. So it was, uh, yeah, I don't think the tires made a huge difference on this track, like as far as making the wrong choice. Um, but my thought was that the, the, the muddy stuff when the tires were packed, they would be the same with if I was on wets or dries. And then in the rock garden, the dry tires would be better yeah. on, um, not, not being so slippy on the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. There's a lot of, a lot of crashing, right? It's one of those races where like you say, the conditions are, are, are that way. You're going to have incidents. You're going to slide. There are going to be crashes. There's a lot of riders that have had some fairly big knocks throughout the week. Um, Nico, I don't know if you're one of those, but 
how do riders deal with that? Like there seem, I've seen some huge crashes on Instagram and various like vital roar and things like that. Riders are still up. They're still racing. They're still pushing hard. Are there, are there certain things that riders do? I mean, I guess their strength helps, but like, are they things they do to help manage the injury and enable them to ride? You see people with taping, but what, what, what do riders do to keep going on the bike? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously situation dependent, but I think, a lot of riders will have a physio here that can help them to either get massage or some sort of treatment to, if you have a bad bruise or, um, I don't know if you've stretched out a joint or something, uh, injured shoulder, like you can get taping, you can get treatment. Um, you can take some, sometimes like even just taking some sort of a pain management pill or something helps a lot. And then the main thing is like, when you get in the gate, the adrenaline normally takes over and a lot of that stuff goes away. And it's amazing how that changes. Like you could be doing a practice run and feel so beat up and then you get warmed up for your race and that kind of goes away. Um, I've always been amazed by that. But uh, yeah, I guess the the other tough thing for the, for riders is that like the, the mental part of it, like when you take a big slam like that, it's hard to ride fully committed and not be hesitant or tentative in a section, especially the section that you crashed or another one like it. So to be able to have those crashes and put it out of your mind is um, a really impressive thing. And some riders are better than others at it. But in a weekend like this, whether it's a a crash is, is a something that definitely takes away confidence, but even just riding poorly or, or just like a lot of riders last practice run we're just not even able to make it through some of the sections and then to go down and say like okay i'm just gonna do my best in the races um it shows a the good mindset of a racer that can do that yeah all right let's talk a little bit about qualifications um familiar names in the mix and some big margins in a lot of the categories as well jackson goldston put a massive chunk into lachlan um Stevens McNabb in junior men Phoebe Gale put a huge margin into Isabella Yankova Cami put a pretty big margin into Miriam once again sort of cementing her campaign for the year the men's qualities were a little bit tighter um Elliot any thoughts on why we saw that there's three riders on the same second in the elite men's whereas other categories were were, were pretty well separated <clears throat> Yeah, I think uh, it was interesting, like, kind of in that top maybe three, four, five in the men's. Um, the thing that I thought was interesting was throughout the week, it was kind of, it wasn't like most races where those close times were the same throughout the entire run. Um, you would have people being like a second back at the first split. And then, you know, being a second up and then being, you know, two seconds back or whatever, because it was so, I guess, I think it was pretty much impossible to have a, like a really good run all the way down. That new section added, I think so much, uh, kind of like Nico was saying, where it was like the race wasn't really over until you kind of crossed the finish line um, because that new, the new section added some time where you can make up and then the very last section added a bunch of time where you could make up. So it seemed like even though the times were tight, uh, they were just tight at the finish, which I think kind of goes to show, uh, you know, you can be, I don't know. I always think there, there is like a, 
I don't know how to put it, but like the times at the bottom, like you don't know who's going to get those times. Um, and you don't know how, like how it's going to, to work, but like, you know, somebody made a mistake at the top, somebody else did it, somebody else got the bottom good. And then it ended up being like tight. So yeah, it was, uh, it was really interesting with the times. Um, but as soon as you went past those like kind of three or four, uh, the times got, you know, super, super, the gaps were huge. Yeah, for sure. And uh, healing vibes to Matt Walker, I think suffered a broken hand and a broken kneecap in qualies. So guessing that probably puts him out for the rest of the season, but uh, all the best to Matt for getting that all sorted. Let's let's talk a bit about the racing. We'll start with junior women's. Um, I think Phoebe Gale would have probably been feeling pretty confident coming into the final. She had that big margin in, in qualies, but, but I think she crashed four times on the way down the hill and ended up in seventh, which... Um, you know, left Gracie Hemstreet to take the win and Amy Kenyon from Pink Bike in, in an awesome second place. I think that's a career best for her. Um, yeah, Gracie's taking a pretty convincing lead, hey, Edit, in that, that overall now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it seemed like <clears throat> the uh, the junior women were kind of were on it uh, and there was like a lot of a lot of crashes. I know uh, Jenna Hastings as well crashed and hurt something, wrist or hand or arm. Uh, and she and she was going well as well. So I think it was one of those those tracks where experience came into play as well to know how to ride it. And I think the mentality as well um, to crash that many times um, or to even crash once and say, no, I'm still in the race. Uh, I made a mistake uh, and keep going or even to have two crashes and to keep going. Um, I think we saw that in some of the other categories. So it was a super interesting race. And I think probably in the in the uh, junior women's, it was more of a, uh, you know, the strongest mindset probably won it. Yeah, yeah. And then junior men's, Jackson Goldston taking another one, putting him in a really good position for the overall. Uh, from Tegan Cruz in second, Sebastian Villa Hulguin, I think. I don't know how you pronounce that properly, in third. Um, but Jordan Williams was quite a long way up. He was uh, ended up in 13th, but was over four seconds up uh, at split three. So, Looks like he was on a heater. Nico, obviously, conditions playing in, but another impressive victory from Jackson, huh? Yeah, I mean, he's been super impressive all year, and his times compared to the elites are so impressive too. Um, it's tough to always compare it directly because the conditions change. I think like last week when he had the fastest time, the track got blown out, and then this week it was much more slippery and wet when he raced than when the elites did. But regardless... Um, his times have been super impressive. Do you guys know what happened to Jordan? If, if like what his issue was? Uh, he crashed, but I think he, he mentioned on his social post that he also had a small mechanical as well. So I don't know if that was part of the crash or, or what, but yeah, unfortunate, but yeah, shows again, those two are super competitive and it's going to be pretty exciting when they land themselves in elite next season. But yeah, we'll move on, move on to the women's racing. Um, and it was good to see Monica Harasnik up there in fifth again, Elliot, a solid, a solid run from her. Yeah. I, uh, when I was walking the track, I got to hang out with her and, and Benoit Coulange and we were kind of talking about, <clears throat> uh, some different lines. It was actually funny. I saw her, uh, at the bottom, there was kind of that main rock garden, go across a bridge and right, uh, where Tebow crashed last year, uh, the second time. 
or maybe it was, the, I guess it was the first time, it was kind of like a low line and you could, or you could go up high. And she was like, I think I might go to the low. And I was like, oh man, yeah, for sure. You know, like get off of that, you know, that line that is like kind of super, I don't know, zigzaggy or whatever. And so I, I like saw her do that in, um, in the finals and I was like, hey, all right, yeah, line coach, no worries. <laughs> but, but she seemed, um, she seemed to have like a really good mindset. And I think that, that was so important throughout the week to be able to stay positive because there were so many, I'm sure as a rider it kind of felt like a roller coaster where, you know, you could have a good time training and then the next day you wake up and you can't make it down the track and then, you know, something would happen in qualifying and then you have a really good run. And so to be able to kind of keep that positive attitude throughout the week, I think was a really big thing. And she um, looked like she was kind of able to do that and not get too bogged down and, and like how difficult the track it was and, and uh, you know, all of the problems that you would have. Yeah. And Valley Hole came in, I, I think a lot more confident this year and Snowshoe's been very kind to her in the past. She uh, had a pretty wild moment off those two big drops coming into the steep section. I think she was the only woman I saw hit that line. But yeah, it was uh, it was pretty sketchy. Fair play for 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 holding that. Um, but she seemed to kind of go backwards a bit in the rocks, really. And then that mistake coming into the final sector uh, cost her. Like as you mentioned, Nico, I guess that final sector and carrying that speed to the finish, it, it definitely did impact a few over, few results for people, right? Yeah, I, I unfortunately I was warming up when the women's race, so I didn't see exactly what happened to her. But um, yeah, that last sector was so flat, and the entrance speed was really tough to get. Um, you were coming off the ski slope and then riding this off camber that was really narrow and slippery, and then hitting like a little kicker with a bunch of ruts in it. And if you could get through that, it kind of carried you for the next twenty or more seconds to the finish line, and. Um, yeah, it made a big difference if you were able to, to come in with more speed. So yeah, I think the last sector definitely got got a lot of people and also helped a lot of people. I um she Melly had this interview with Tracy um and it and it played during the pre-show and I thought it was it was like a really nice insight into how she's kind of been thinking about everything and I can't remember who else I was talking to, but you know, people People have been saying, okay, you know, Valley is, you know, she can't hold it together, um, not able to do these things or whatever. And when you actually look at it, she hasn't really crashed that much. And, you know, she's only crashed in like a couple of different runs. And she was just saying how, you know, many kind of backseat drivers there were uh, around, you know, whether it's on the internet or like people actually like DMing her and being like, you need to figure figure your life out, get you a mental coach or something. Like, um, and I think, you know, it it wasn't until she was she said, like, you know, it wasn't until I was kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna listen to the people that I trust and um and kind of go from there that uh she was able to get that win last week. And I think this week as well, like you're not gonna win every single time. I think when it's this competitive and I think, you know, Valley's riding style compared to like a Camille is almost opposite to where Valley's really comfortable on those like loose tracks, uh, those really fast tracks and, and Cami is just crazy good on these kind of tracks. So I think, you know, for her, 
there's still some kind of speed to be found on on these style of tracks uh, when it's really wet and slippery and stuff like that. But I felt like it was like a good race where she was able to build from last week. Um, and again, like the mental side of it, being able to continue to go. I know she was pretty frustrated after qualifying, <laughs> getting, you know, she saw Miriam come down and beat her and then she saw Cammy come down and beat her. And she's like, man, I, I got to, you know, kind of find some more speed. So to me, it felt like Valley kind of trying to figure out these kind of races and, and like build for the next, next couple of races. Uh-huh. Fair enough. And then Nina Hoffman, a good weekend for her into third place. She seems to go well on wet rocks. She had a good, uh, a good ride out of Fort William and then another, another good run this weekend. She had a couple of moments as most people did look pretty well, but she just seemed to manage to keep the momentum going forwards the whole way down the track, which, uh, which worked out for a good result. Yeah, man, to me, it was, um, it was cool to see her, like I was kind of saying, going for a win. Um, the women's track was just outrageous. Like it was so difficult. Those, those bottom rocks were like just crazy slippery. Uh, and I'm sure the top was, was kind of the same. And so Nino was, you know, pushing the whole entire time, which I thought was, was pretty awesome to see. Uh, so yeah, I, I felt like it was a really good run. I saw her at the podium. She had, she had got like a, a cutoff, like cutoff jersey or whatever, cut off the sleeves of the jersey and had USA on her on her biceps. Uh, so I, I know she was loving it here, which is pretty cool. Good to see. And then Miriam Nicole wasn't quite to be. An impressive run again, looked super committed and loose the whole way down. Um, she I noticed she cased the triple kind of near the top in the little rhythm section which is um, i would assume was a mistake most people seem to be clearing that um and then she had i think two crashes i think we only saw one on the live feed but another one which uh took her out of you know the win obviously but still a second place which is super impressive given given that run right yeah for sure <clears throat> i think she kind of you could see it when she came across the line she was confused like wait what <laughs> like i i crashed <laughs> Um, so it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, where even if you crash on a race like this and you see it with the riders who are, um, more experienced, you will, um, yeah, you'll see them keep pushing because you kind of don't know how everyone else's run is. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if I'm making a mistake, everyone else probably is too. Uh, so I think she would probably be pretty happy with that being able to, you know, have a crash or multiple crashes still get second place and then, you know, kind of make a dent in, in uh, pulling back time on a track like this with Cammy. So I think for her, in my mind, it wouldn't have been about trying to like, you would know that Cammy is really fast on these kind of tracks. Um, and so that was, uh, I would, I would think she'd be happy with that. Definitely. And I, I listened to um, Sven's post-race uh, interview with Cammy, and she was saying she didn't crash throughout the entire week in snowshoe and that's generally her approach at all these races is to kind of just confidently and slowly build up which takes you know there's some real self-belief there that you know you really don't need to be pushing too hard until until the actual race run but to get through a week in snowshoe in those conditions and not crash at some point given the kind of lottery of the conditions is insane so a perfect weekend from her you know she takes quality she takes the win in the race clearly the most consistent rider on the circuit right now 
seems to be fast on all kinds of tracks, really. I don't think there's anywhere where we'd say that Cammy's not a contender anymore. You know, it's, um, it's interesting because, I mean, first of all, that's ridiculous. I don't know how you, <laughs> how you do that just with how it, like, surely you would just, I don't know, slip a wheel, slip a pedal, like something. Um, but the last couple of, like, Lindsay Hyde and, and Dora, watching her runs, I was kind of um, surprised that she, they were a little bit more messy than I thought it was, that they, uh, or that I was used to seeing. And mm-hmm. got to talk to her this week and kind of made a lot of sense where I think she is much more comfortable, ironically, riding a track like this than she is riding a loose, super fast track. So I think she's still trying to figure out how to push on a track like Andorra that's really fast, really blown out. Um, and because here, you know, you talk to her and she's like, I love this. Like, I, I love like my bike sliding around. It's so much fun. Um, she just has this incredible balance. She's so like one of the best riders in the world, men or women at riding this, this stuff like this. So yeah, it was kind of, it kind of made sense a little bit to me um, that she, you know, why there was kind of that messy, those messy runs in the last couple of races. And then you come here and she, you know, going back to the mindset thing, which is having a great time, right? Like was really enjoying herself. That experience, like you talked about building up like run by run, not going too hard in the first run of practice, really feeling the track out. Um, and it's just, uh, amazing to see her ride this stuff because she's just so perfect on, uh, when the track gets difficult like this. Yeah. Impressive, impressive ride for sure. Let's move on to uh, to the men's racing. Nico, we'll start off with you. How was how was your run on the day? Uh, I crashed in the upper rock garden, which um, I was disappointed with. I knew it would be the type of conditions where there was going to be a lot of crashes, and I hope to capitalize on that. I feel like I'm pretty good at riding in the mud. Like a condition like yesterday it was my strong suit, and I wanted to take advantage of it. So I was, was definitely disappointed to not um, – put the run together that I was looking for. Not not that I expected to have a perfectly clean run, but I thought if I could just be consistent, I could uh, get a good result. And yeah, just crashing that top rock garden. I think the same one where Angel crashed and a couple other guys, if you watch the live feed. When I got up, I had mud all over my gloves and, and tried to tried to push on and, and still ride um, like smoothly to the bottom. Definitely you lose a little bit of um, motivation as a rider when you've already had an issue. like definitely didn't give up but to take a ton of risk in those rock gardens at the bottom um when, when, when it's like for nothing it feels uh i don't know a little bit less motivating but i ended up 38th on the day which not terrible but um i, I qualified 26 and i wanted to try to beat that in my final that was my goal and i'd, I'd really like to get a top 20 and i um somebody took a video of my crash and i like adding the, I think I was down for eight seconds. And if I would have been eight seconds quicker, I'd have been like 20 seconds. So I would have been kind of right where my goal was, which is nice to know that I was in, in, I know on pace for it. Um, but maybe even better. I know I had mud on my gloves and had to, took a little while. Like when you crash, definitely you don't get right back up and are on the same pace that you were. So maybe, maybe even a little better, but, um, anyway, 
positives from this weekend for me for sure, but it was a home track and um, my conditions. So I definitely kind of wanted, wanted a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Fair comment. Well, let's, let's chat about some of the kind of talent that seems to be bubbling about in the, in the results. And there's a few first off that are kind of outside the top 10, but names that it feels like we're going to start seeing more of. Matteo Iniguez, Ethan Craig, Dylan Levesque. Elliot, any thoughts on uh, on those three guys? Their their names that seem to be more and more frequently towards the top of the timing sheets. Yeah, I think um, Dylan for sure has been one of those riders that kind of flown under the radar. <clears throat> uh, he's just super nice, humble guy, but I mean, he's got a top twenty plate, so he's just been there all year long. I saw him on track walk, and he was just picking out his lines and. You know, he's just a super professional dude. Uh, I did think one of the themes that was interesting here was that most of the riders that qualified well that we hadn't seen uh, ended up backing it up. You know, Ethan had a really good run. Mateo had a really good run. Um, and so I think sometimes you you see that in qualifying, especially on a track that's as difficult or when it's rainy and wet. Um, you kind of have maybe this just really good run where you didn't make a mistake in qualifying and it just happened to be up there. Uh, but for them to back it up, I thought was really amazing, especially on a track that's this this, this difficult. Um, the mental side of it, when you do qualify well, there's a lot more than just riding up to that pace. Uh, there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more expectations. Um, being at the top of the starting gate when the only people around you are these top 20 riders much different uh so yeah i thought that that was really cool definitely Let, and let's talk about some of those fresher faces inside the top 10 as well ronan dunn is a rider that uh, you know having seen trackside at lenzerhide and uh andorra over the last few weeks you could see he had the speed of the top riders but obviously had to work out how to put that all together into a into a run and uh, he's done that twice over this weekend with a an impressive qualifier and then a podium spot in the final Nico, thoughts on Rona and thoughts on that performance to, to to perform under that pressure first time qualifying that well is 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 impressive, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ronan, um, for riders that or for people that don't know him, he's like a rider's favorite rider. He uh, he's always does the gnarliest lines in practice. If there's a gap to be done, whether it's faster or not, he'll do it. Uh, he's just like has no fear kind of guy. And, um, his, his results show like he either, if he, the few times that he gets to the bottom, he has a good result. Like I think he had a top 20 at one of the races last year, but then you'll often see him with, uh, DNFs and last place finishes, uh, because he just, he just goes all in. And, uh, I, I, he, like I was talking to him and Lords, he got a flat tire and he said, um, yeah, this is my fifth race run that I've got a flat tire in a row. And I was like, well, maybe you should change something. Like you think that maybe pick <laughs> up on that. So he, uh, he's definitely like a checkers or wreckers, uh, either crashes or breaks the bike, but has literally in any five second piece of track, he'll be faster than anyone else. If he can put all those together, he would be, one of the fastest dudes. And I think this weekend it was just the perfect storm for him where he's from Ireland. He's good at riding in slippery conditions. He's used to riding in the mud. So in the quality, he, he was able to 
feel comfortable in that and got through with no issues. And, um, and I think like getting fifth and his time was totally accurate for like the speed that he can ride. He just managed to put it together without issues and, and maybe other riders did. And then not to take anything away from him, he earned the spot and all the riders did, but it got a lot drier at the end of the day. Uh, it was super muddy all weekend and then was baking sun on uh, race day. So getting that qualifying spot just set him up for success for race day. And then, yeah, he had mentally had to put the run together and, and do it on, uh, on finals day and, and again, delivered. And I think he was like first at a couple of the splits as well. So he had speed for, you know, I joked like fastest in any five second section. He was fastest to like two and a half minutes and three minute sections. So, um, hopefully he can take some confidence from that and, and just do it again because he's got all the speed and he's well liked amongst all the riders. I think it, he's he's young. It's only his um, second year out of a, out of junior, maybe. Um, but yeah, everybody everybody I think was was really stoked for him to see him put it together like that. Yeah, I I, I thought so. I thought so too. Was, I was kind of talking to him after the race, and um, I think he embraces that about himself, where he was like, "Yeah, you know, I I just wanted to win the first split because I knew I was going to be on TV. So if I crashed, then at least it would be on camera." Um, and then I went through the first split and I was feeling good. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to keep pushing then. Uh, and you know, it kind of (laughs) worked out (laughs) for me throughout the whole, throughout the whole track. So, uh, he, I was saying it on kind of a live feed where similar to what I was saying about the other dudes, it's one thing to qualify like that, but then it's another thing to like execute on it where dropping in you know, fifth place, uh, being able to ride like that up to the pressure and his run looked like it was, um, like he'd been doing it forever, right? Like it, he, it looked like he was just a veteran. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was really, 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 really good to see. And you could tell how happy he was at the bottom, just, you know, beating Greg Minar and like, and Loic and, you know, all these dudes, uh, I will say to, to Nico's point that it was, it got so, so much drier. Like this was one of those tracks probably where qualifying, like qualifying good made one of the biggest differences I've ever seen, uh, on any track, like for every single rider, especially those later riders where the gaps were big, like every single rider, it was a better track and a better track and a better track. Uh, you can kind of see it in that that in that bottom rock garden where first couple of dudes coming down, uh, you know, had such a wet rock garden, and um, yeah, it got better for uh, dried out a lot more as the, as the day went on. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see some big teams getting their checkbooks out for uh, for Ronan for next season because yeah, for sure, it's pretty pretty limited support that he's on there, but yeah, yeah incredible, good work, Ronan, and then. Mr. Consistent feels like he's kind of taking over from Benoit Coulange. Andreas Kolb, career best, third place. Another another big smile from that guy. Incredible to watch. And Nico, this consistency and confidence is just building her. Like, are we going to see him another step further on next week? Do you think? I mean, at this rate, yes, probably. <laughs> he's he's riding so well. He just he's <laughs> he's motivated. I, I I rode the lift with him and 
and Dave Trummer one run, and uh, they were nice enough to speak English to me. <laughs> but uh, he was saying that he was just really <laughs> motivated coming into the race, and um, Dave was kind of saying the opposite. After riding the track, he was like, "I'm I'm really not too motivated to ride this thing today." But uh, I guess when you're on a roll like that, it kind of builds some fire inside of you to try to do it again and improve. And um, when, when, when he's taking away these podiums to look and say, like, cool, how can I get the next step up is, um, is a really cool feeling. And then to see him actually make those incremental improvements and, like, take the one step forward each weekend is, is super cool. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he can keep that going, I think. He's demonstrated that he can so far, so it'll be it'll be exciting to see him progress through the last couple of races this season. Yeah, I got to talk to him at the podium, and I was kind of like, "What is what was the what's the secret sauce? Like, how did you like four in a row? Like, that is not normal. Um, there's only a few people actually ever that have done things like that." And <clears throat> and he said, "I don't know, I don't know." And he's like, "Well, you know, this was the first year that I." got to put everything into it where I have this big team. I have, you know, a physio, I have a, uh, like a trainer, I have a mental coach, I have everything around me and, um, I can actually, you know, put everything into the sport, uh, because he, yeah, he's been, he's been around for a while, you know, as, as a privateer and, and he's younger, but he, he has been on the circuit for a decent amount of time. So I think it's interesting when you see these riders getting that chance, I think like Benoit Coulange, like, cold um you know people like that where it's like okay i'm actually a professional now putting everything into it uh and you know let's see what i can do so man i love it i i love seeing cold do do well it, it makes yeah. me really happy definitely well let's talk bernard kerr then elliot i mean a rider that you never bet against right he's always fast clearly a very talented bike rider but it's it's rare for him to kind of get all the way from a good time training run through to executing on that race run. He's done it second place 0.4 off Amory, which he was quite keen to tell Amory about and uh, let him know how close he'd got. It was super cool to see. And it's kind of a shame that he didn't get that elusive winner, but, but really cool for Bernard. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it felt, um, I don't know, for me, pretty kind of like emotional personally, because that it, Bernard was the guy that I, started riding with like when i went to whistler in 2010 i met bernard and we kind of like hit it off before i was just a privateer and i think he was on that norico team as at the time and um and then after that like we started traveling together when he was you know in in his caravan and and just doing his thing and then you know i was on the team with him and so it's it's just cool to see all that hard work. I think, you know, he's, this is his 15th season, I think. And so it's kind of the, like the culmination of all that and to see the ups and downs and, you know, him running the team and, and all of these things and like his, his family being behind him and uh, yeah, for him to continue to push through that. And I think one of the things, you know, people used to think that he wasn't fit, uh, but he's been pretty fit for a little bit. And now I think like working with, uh, with his trainer kind of like, I don't know, refining that. I was talking to Jared about it and just like, you know, saying like, okay, where do I need to be strong at and things like that, I think helped a lot here because it was such a physical track. And then I think with the other thing that kind of helped Bernard here is when he kind of takes a little bit of 
like, I don't know, pleasure or like it helps him mentally when everyone else is struggling. So if you, if he hears a lot of people complaining, then he's, he kind of likes to be like, oh no, like I've got it, you know? Um, and he's had this really good positive attitude. We kind of been like following him on the Red Bull stuff. And uh, yeah, he's been just like had a positive attitude all, all year. So to me, when you kind of put all those things together where you have this positive attitude, you've been working really hard, you know, you have the skill um, and you just keep ticking off the races, it, uh, it eventually will, will kind of come. But yeah, it was, it was a really great race and really, really good run. I was, I was super proud of him for kind of continuing to push all the way down because he, uh, I think in the past he, he's like, he says that he has like too safe of a run. So this was kind of the opposite of that where he had a bunch of moments and then continued to go. So I know he, he really, really wanted to win. I was like talking to him last night and he was like, yeah, it's sweet, but man, like I, I wanted to win so bad. You know, it's, I would have rather him beat me by more, uh, but both Finn and him were saying like how Emery is just like a dream crusher, you know? Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, hopefully that gets him super fired up and we see some more aggressive runs from, from Bernard throughout the rest of the season. Uh, Nico, let's talk about Greg Minar. Another podium, fifth place. At one point, he was 3.4 seconds down and managed to pull it back. That was his 150th start in the finals, his 84th podium, which means he's been on the box 56% of the races that he's raced, which is ridiculous. What What is he on? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, That stat's actually gone down in the past couple of years. I remember his podium rate percentage was way higher um, bef- before he before the past couple seasons where he had some issues but um yeah watching him this year get it all back on track like he's not getting any younger and he's still uh managing to keep the pace to get on the podium i think on conditions like this he's he just carries consistent momentum he doesn't get hung up he carries speed um being a big guy on a 29er like he's able to get through the ruts and get through the muddy stuff a little better normally um, which which is cool to see. Um, he struggled, it looked like, in practice. Whenever I saw him, he was having issues. He was, uh, even in the morning of the practice yesterday, we were, there's kind of like a flat spot in the middle where a lot of people stop. And Greg stopped and was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is so hard today. He, he seemed like he was having a tough time, like most people were in practice. But then for him to be able to just get down from from practice and go up and say like, okay, well, now I'm going to go put down a podium race run is pretty impressive from him. Um, and he's just, I think the main thing about Greg is he's just so mentally strong. He's He knows the game of downhill racing and he can get himself into the right mindset and do what it takes to put down a winning race run. So um, yeah, that, that gets him the, that's getting him podiums this late in his career, which is super cool to see. Yeah, amazing. And another rider that seems to be able to get into that race mindset in a big way is Amory Piron. I, I watched uh, Win TV earlier in the week from Trackwalk, and Amory looked pretty broken, like so low energy, so low mood. Like I've, I think I've ever seen Amory anything other than quite amped up and excited about life. And it was, it was kind of, it was a tough watch and pretty sad. And it, it didn't look like this was going to be a week for him. Somehow he's turned that into a perfect weekend of winning qualies and the race maybe the conditions helped a little bit in qualies i think he said he was kind of 
able to win that with a, a more steady and consistent approach, but that wasn't the case on race day. Um, he had some issues in his run. I think there was a fair size problem in sector two, but incredible, hey, Elliot, to come from literally, you know, bed bound from a huge crash two weekends ago to, to the perfect weekend. It's another championship performance for Amory. Yeah, man. I think, uh, you know, you heard him talking about it in interviews where he's like, yeah, I was just in my room playing Sudoku, not talking to anyone, not smiling. Uh, and yeah, on track walk day, he said, uh, his, his team manager was like, man, you know, maybe you shouldn't ride. Uh, it's okay if you, if you don't want to ride. And he was like, you know, I want to, I want to try. And he said, he just kind of took it run by run and, you know, wanted to give himself the, at least the chance to do it. And it was actually fascinating because when I interviewed him, uh, before the podium, he kind of had the same line as Loic did last year, which was like, I got in the starting gate, I saw the fans and like it hyped me up and I was like, okay, like let's, let's do it. You know, um, he has this crazy ability to just flip a switch and be crazy focused and, you know, get into the, the race mindset. He said when he, you know, was coming, uh, came out of the trees and saw the the times because as a rider, you can, you can see your splits on the board uh, as you're pedaling into the finish. And he was like, I saw it was green, red, green. And then like, I was like, let's go. Like, I'm going to, you know, empty the tank and like pedal through the finish. And this one felt like it meant a lot to him. Like this was one of the happiest I'd seen him kind of the most proud I had seen him. And so I think personally for him, it meant a lot that he was able to kind of overcome that, you know, that week of being in your room, like not happy, uh, not having a good week, maybe not even riding. And then to come out and win was crazy. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Very cool. And puts him in a, in a really strong position coming into the last two rounds. There's a couple of other bits of interest. I think that I'd like to chat about before we uh, sign off. Nico, what were your thoughts on Dakota Norton's line over the two, those two kind of big step drops coming into the steep section. He seemed to find a line on the left there where the tape was a bit wider, maybe than previous years that either no one else has spotted or no one else thought was a, a rideable line, but it, I mean, he made it look pretty easy, but... Yeah, I saw him and Aaron both hit that line in their race run. Um, I, I didn't look at... I don't think a lot of people looked at it too closely. There was some there was some rocks in there that um, were kind of gnarly. So, obviously, they made it work. But um, it definitely wasn't an obvious line. Um, and I think in years past, that drop to turn was better. So, like, in the mud, it got really deep. It got a rut. It had a kicker on the end of the second drop so it was it was a lot more um deteriorated than it has been in the past which opened up the idea to do different lines like some people were kind of going off the rock lower and then turning across uh, it seemed like most of the, the fast guys in the final were just hitting the main line but um no it was cool they they were able to get creative with that um i was track walking around the same time and they uh they definitely kept that one a secret when we were walking through there but uh yeah it was a cool line it was cool that they got creative i don't know if it was faster or not i definitely didn't seem slower um but i think this weekend like there wasn't that many 
line choices that defined the race. It was just keeping the bike running, keeping momentum. Um, you weren't going to have a bad result or lose time because of the line you chose. It was going to be how you rode it. And this weekend, more than ever with the conditions, you kind of couldn't even be so precise with your line. Sometimes if you got deflected, you had to just keep running with it. So I think it was cool to see that spot where a line choice, a big line choice made a difference. And um, yeah, cool for, for those guys to get creative and find it. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a couple of riders who maybe have been a bit under the weather recently that have struggled. Um, Troy Brosnan and Laurie Greenan have both been ill, but both seem to be back on pace. Troy was definitely there until a, a crash and Laurie ended up in uh, seventh place, I think. So yeah, good to see riders kind of coming back I don't know, from fluey type stuff or COVID or those kind of things. Elliot, it's hard, I guess, with a mid-season illness like that to to get back up to pace because there's not much breathing room now. Yeah, for sure. This was <clears throat> kind of the worst time to get any sort of sickness, injury, stuff like that. Like We talked about that with Luca Shaw, where he got hurt at the worst possible time. Um, but I did talk to Troy. He won that key section. And uh, yeah, I think he was pretty happy to be back on pace. And he he felt good, and so I think he'll he'll for sure be one to watch next weekend. Definitely, and for world champs, I think. Yeah. Well, let's just quickly touch on the overalls. So Gracie Hemstreet is now 40, 40 points ahead of Phoebe in, in the women's, and I think there's sixty for a win for juniors. Jackson's sixty four points ahead of two rounds left, so that's pretty good position for him. Amory's got a huge lead of four hundred and twenty two points now over Loris Vergier. Uh, it's going to be pretty hard to for anyone to undo that i think he could potentially take the overall next weekend uh, and then cammy's got uh 230 points over miriam so still a bit bit to play for there um we're going to be in mont St. anne for the post-race show and we're going to try and do it live for people that want to come along um via your website elliot right yeah totally i'm excited i finally launched reggie we've been like talking about it and one of the things i uh, wanted to do with it is just kind of like have all of these unique cycling experiences, you know, whether it's online or coaching or riding or racing, whatever, like kind of just being able to do anything you want. And we had the idea to do this, this live. Um, so you will be able to go on Reggie. We'll put the link in the show, show notes and I'll post about it and stuff like that. But you'll be able to go on, uh, sign up, get, get a ticket and, uh, yeah. Hop in the hop in the studio with us as we record the podcast and do a little bit of Q and A and stuff like that as well. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it'd be good fun. So I think we're going to try and do that at 10 a.m. in Montserrat, which is on the Sunday. The what day is the Sunday? Sunday the seventh of August, 10 a.m. Uh, EST, 3 p.m. UK, 4 p.m. CEST. Um, five pound a ticket hop on to goreggie.com g-o-r-e-g-g-y.com um, search for downtime you'll find the event um, get involved get yourself a ticket we will put links in the show notes people can find that we'll share it on social media and stuff like that as well and yeah be good to have people along and pop their questions in the chat and get you guys to answer them so be be good fun and then before we wrap up we just need to do uh, do the lit kit award for snowshoe We'll start with you this time, Elliot. So Nico's got some thinking time. Elliot, what do you what do you think? Yeah, this was a this was a this was a hard one. Um, I kind of liked the uh, is it the 
Canyon team. There was like a, there's like a yellow, I think it is the Canyon collective team had this like kind of yellow and purple, uh, kit. I thought mm-hmm. was like pretty different, especially for that team. Um, I felt like that context was, was kind of cool to see Mark and, and Troy and stuff like that being a little bit more loud when they're usually pretty subtle. So yeah, I, that's definitely my pick. Nice. And I really like the, uh, it's another TLD kit, actually the, um, SRAM RockShox Trek kit, that, that kind of bluey color with the bike and everything. I just think it like looked super good in the woods at Snowshoe. There's a lot of green in the, in the rockery and in the, in the, like in the trees. I just thought it looked, looked super cool and photographed really nicely. Uh, Nico, what about you? Uh, I was going to say the same as you, Chris. And, um, un- unfortunately everyone was wearing rain jackets or covered in mud all weekend. So I didn't <laughs> get to see a whole lot, but I, I did like the, um, those, those blue TLD kits. They look pretty cool. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Um, uh, very quickly, Nico, any update on the kind of discovery stuff or riders union before we go? Have you heard anything, any, any updates or new news on that? No, we, we didn't have a meeting this week, I think, with a lot of people traveling further. Um, there, I don't know, there just wasn't a, an opportunity. People were focused on the race. So maybe next week um, we'll have a chance to meet uh, the riders all get together again. But, um, yeah, we don't have any information. And we don't have any information from Discovery. So hopefully uh, I think the biggest uh, concern with all this is just lack of info if we could – we could hear something from them then like i said before i think we're all more like-minded than we think we just don't know what's going on so hopefully we can get some info soon all right fingers crossed for that well i hope uh hope you have good travel over to mont saint anne uh, a good week on the hill for both of you and uh we'll see you hopefully along with some additional guests for the post-race show next week sounds good awesome thank you guys All right, that's it for this episode with Elliot and Nico. I really hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget that if you want to join us live for the Monson and post-race show, then you can do that by heading over to goreggie.com. That's G-O-R-E-G-G-Y.com and searching for downtime. You'll find an event there. All you need to do is to pay £5 and we'll send you a web link so you can join us to watch the recording live and ask questions in the live chat too. Head over to goreggie.com now. A huge thank you to Maxis for supporting this season. Maxis have incredible tyres for you no matter how or where you ride. So head over to maxis.com or visit your local Maxis dealer and check them out. I've been running the DHR Max Terror in the back and the Asagai Max Grip in their new XO Plus casing up front and it's a combo that's been working super well for me. Why not check it out for yourself? Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you don't miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash EP if you'd like to get yourself a copy of Downtime EP. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today, but until next time, get out and ride. <laughs>